again, a couple of the videos that are on the Facebook page, encourage you to check those out. The first is we did an update last week with the staffing structure. So I encourage you to just kind of rewatch that if, or watch it if you haven't seen it, just so you can see where we're, what we're building towards for the fall, so you can stay up to date with that. And also, this is kind of crazy for me. I can't believe this is already coming up. But on September the 11th, uh, Greenbelt Church is celebrating our 50th anniversary as a church which is kind of blows my mind that is 50 years because it feels like just a little while ago we celebrated our 40th anniversary. <laughs> do you guys remember that party? Yeah, some people do. Some people, no, I don't remember that party. Yeah, a lot of us don't because we just kind of get so busy in life. But 50 years of ministry here as a church in the city of Ottawa. And so we're really looking forward to celebrating all that God has done and looking forward to all that God will continue to do. So uh, check out those announcements because as you can see in the room already, things get pretty full here. So this isn't a COVID thing. We need people to register for those services. Hear the words out of my mouth. I need you to register for those services. And this isn't a COVID thing. This is a, we don't know how many people are showing up thing. Okay, and we want to make sure that everyone who wants to participate in this celebration will be able to participate. Get the Church Center app, register quickly, because it will fill up, and I'm going to be the guy to say you can't come. Okay, yeah, see, I can be tough. People say, Kevin, Pastor Kevin's so soft all the time. He's so soft. No, I can be tough too occasionally. But no, because if we have to open up a third service, we want to be able to do that. So we need to know who's coming. So please register early for that. Okay, with that said, if you hear my voice this morning sounding a little raspy, um, I was actually at a young adults worship service last night. <laughs> I love worshiping with young adults. It was three hours long and my ears were bleeding. It was awesome. It was so good. And I was literally sitting near the drum and, and I could just feel the against my chest all night long. And it was just an amazing time just worshiping and just seeing God moving among our young adults here in our city. It was just so incredibly uh, awesome to be a part of that service last night. So I'm a little raspy this morning. Um, so this morning, what we are doing is we are wrapping up our sermon series talking about emotions. And we're going to talk today, uh, honestly, about the emotion that I dislike the most. See, we're going to talk about sadness, okay? Now, if you are anything like me, especially you guys, if you're like me and people start crying around you, how does that tend to make us feel as guys? If you're like me, you just want it to stop. <laughs> Whatever possible. Whatever it takes, this has got to stop. I've got to fix this. I've got to solve this. In fact, here's a little rule. And, and my family doesn't even know this because this is a secret rule. I know my wife just perked up. What? I've had this secret rule in my household for the past 25 years is I have done everything humanly possible to make sure two things never happen. That my wife and my daughter never cry. That's what I've worked really, really, really hard on. 
And if someone, some boy shows up and breaks one of those rules, you're dead to me. (laughs) You're dead to me. You're my enemy now. Because I work really, really, really hard to make sure no one in my house cries. (laughs) Sadness is a challenging, difficult emotion to deal with sometimes. And as I was prepping this message, as I've been doing for all of the messages during the series, I like to get a bit of a sense on how are we doing as a culture? How are we doing as a people? How are we doing as a community? How are we doing as a church? When it comes to some of these topics, and again, some of the research that comes out of sadness and depression is fascinating right now, especially now at this stage coming out, you know, of two, two years plus of a pandemic is in 2021, there was a research article that studied Western and European countries and studied the level of sadness and depression in these countries. So again, we're talking Western European countries. We're talking about the richest countries in the world. The ones that have resources, the ones that have benefits, the ones that have health plans, have retirement packages, have more stable economies, stable government. We're not talking countries where it's just like chaos. right? These Western European countries. Canada ranked... Number three out of all of these countries in the world of having the most people struggling with some form of sadness or depression. Number three. See, and I've experienced that. I've experienced this personally, and I've experienced this as I've come alongside so many of you. Is so many of us, as followers of Jesus are sad. (laughs) And what we're seeing more, what I'm even seeing more and more is what I'm seeing is instead of Christians that are filled with joy, who are occasionally sad, I'm seeing an increase of Christians who are sad with an occasional joy. (laughs) And that's the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches us. (laughs) Now, it doesn't mean that life isn't going to be hard. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems because Jesus promised problems. Okay? Any kind of theology, any kind of Christian teaching that tries to tell you that you will have no problems in your life and you will receive everything that you want and you'll be rich and you're healthy, run away. Because it goes against the clear commands of Jesus. In this world, you will have many troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. (laughs) And Jesus came to give life and life to the full. He came to give abundant life. He came to set captives free from these things. So life will be hard, but you and I can still experience great joy in the difficulties and the challenges of life. And so what I want to attempt to do today, (laughs) and I've stretched the word attempt, is to help us If maybe you're here today and you're struggling with sadness, or maybe you've got someone in your life who is struggling with sadness, I want to help us take steps how we move from sadness into joy without changing the circumstance, without changing the situation. I cannot promise any change to your circumstance. All I can say is as we look at the word of God together today is I'm going to hopefully help you change your outlook so that you will experience more joy moving out of sadness. So what I want to do is I want to read a couple of past. uh, We're going to spend a lot of time in Luke's gospel today. 
I'm going to start in Luke chapter 19. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 19. And I'm going to read just a few verses here. And we see Jesus, okay? And then this takes place right before the passage that we looked at last week, where Jesus was flipping over tables. That was about to come. So here in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 19, in verse 41, we read this. It says, as he, so this is being Jesus, talking about Jesus, as he approached Jerusalem. This is the major city in Israel. This is where the temple of God is. This is where people, all the Jewish people would travel to Jerusalem to go to the temple of God when they had all of their festivals, when they had to sacrifice the animals to atone for their sin. It was all done in this city. So Jesus, as he approaches Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. He's sad. Jesus is sad. And then he said, if you... Even you, he's speaking to this city. He's speaking to the residents of this city, the religious leaders, the religious people, every station of life. If even you had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? But now it's hidden from your eyes. The day will come. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. And they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. What we've been doing in this series is looking at the emotions of Jesus and then how do you and I have godly Jesus emotions in our walk with him as well. So here's an example of sad Jesus. Now we see in the gospels other times when Jesus is sad. We see in other times when Jesus cried, he cried over the death of his friend Lazarus. We see this, you know, in multiple other places of Jesus being sad. Um, But there's something different about this word here when it says he wept. Over the city. Uh, This Greek word here, wept, yes, it, it means cry, but it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean the way I like to cry. Like if I'm watching a movie and, you know, and like Han Solo dies, you know, and then I get all teary eyed because they killed Han Solo, who was like a father figure for me ever since 1977. And I shed a few little tears and then my kids look at me, ah, oh, dad's laughing. So I stop immediately, you know, so it's not, you know, just a few little tears kind of crying. This Greek word here, it's a cry. It's a wail. It's a lament. In fact, it goes further. The definition actually says it's any loud expression of pain or sorrow. This is ugly crying. Okay? And all of us guys got really uncomfortable. Because when people, when our wives, our daughters start ugly crying, the woman at the office, all these people start ugly crying around us. We're like, ah. I don't know what to do with this. Or when we guys feel this deep hurt and pain and need to cry and lament, what do we do? Ignore it. Push it down. And we wonder why we all have ulcers and irritable bowel syndrome because we're not dealing with our emotions in a healthy way. This is Jesus ugly crying. 
Now picture this scene. This is when this is about five days before Jesus is is executed. He's going into the city of Jerusalem with his disciples, and they think he's going to become king. Right? So they're expecting conquering victorious Jesus. Right? Coming in to overthrow Rome, overthrow the religious rulers, take his place on the throne of David. This is what they're pumped and excited about. And they're walking with him, and now Jesus is ugly crying. I'm just going to go over here while Jesus does his thing. Right? And so what I find fascinating about this is we have to ask ourselves, why is Jesus weeping here in a way that we never see him do in any other passage in the Bible? Why is this crying different? Right? And we can get a glimpse of why this is different because we see this story also take place in Matthew's gospel in Matthew chapter 23. And Matthew adds some different words here from, from the, the words of Jesus in Matthew 23 verse 37. When he talks, when he's wailing, he's lamenting. He has this loud expression of pain and sorrow over the city of Jerusalem. These are his words in Matthew 23, verse 37. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings but you wouldn't let me. See, Jesus comes to the city of Jerusalem with this incredible passion for the hurting, for the broken, for the lost, for the marginalized, for the religious leader who's stuck in their pride and their arrogance and their boastfulness. And Jesus sees all of that. And like a mother hen, Jesus says, just come to me. I want to care for you. I want to comfort you. I want to put my wings around you. But you won't let me. As we look at the life and the ministry of Jesus and you see what Jesus was all about and what Jesus wanted to accomplish here on earth, when he talked all throughout the the Gospels, when he talked about his mission, when he talked about his heart, we see and then when we see the apostles, when they're writing their letters and they're describing the ministry and the life of Jesus, you see this picture of a God who is desperately wanting people to come to him. But people won't. And that is why Jesus ugly cries. It's why Jesus cries. It's what breaks the heart of God more than anything else. We see no other type of crying like this from the heart of God. People won't come to me. Jesus' desire for people to come to him and they refuse is what breaks his heart. And so the big idea that I would really love for you to remember and talk about it with your family is that Jesus hurts When someone is far from him, Jesus hurts 
when someone is far from him. And the reason why I think this is so incredibly crucial for the church, for me, (laughs) for you to understand is because we don't just deal with the emotion of sadness. As we've seen throughout this series, we also deal with our anger and our frustrations and all these other emotions that we're dealing with at the same time. (laughs) And we have to respond to these emotions biblically. (laughs) Right. And so today I might not be able to help you directly with your sadness. But what I hope you'll see is that you can take more steps to joy if you actually follow what Jesus does. Because Jesus, again, was a man, was fully God, fully man, who is joyful with bouts of sadness. Because he is focused on his mission. He's focused on the heart of God. And and I've come to believe more and more and more that when you and I seek first God's kingdom, when you and I seek first God's plans and God's desire, we will be men, women, boys and girls who experience great joy with sadness. (laughs) Because we focus on the right thing. So what I want to do is I'm going to, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it is a little long, but you know, if you want to read it with your kids this week, I'd encourage you to do that. I want to kind of summarize, just flipped back a couple of pages to Luke chapter 15. So this is, again, it's right before Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem, but before he cries out the way he cries, he tells people that are following him a parable about a lost son. This is a very famous story where Jesus tells this story about a father. This father is very rich. He's got fields. He's got land. He's got animals. He's got people that work for him. He's got servants. He's incredibly, incredibly wealthy. And he has two sons. And the youngest son, he just wants to party. So he goes to his father and says probably one of the most insulting things you could ever say to your parents. Can I have my inheritance now before you're dead? Think about that. Kids, if you'd like a challenge today, go to your parents at dinner tonight and say, how much money are you leaving me when you die? And just see how that works out for you. Okay, don't do that. You're going to get grounded. Trust me. You're going to get grounded. Don't ask. But this is exactly what this is going on. This young son is asking his father, how much money are you going to give me when you're dead? Oh, and you're pretty healthy. So can I have it now? Because I don't even want to wait till you're dead. And this father (laughs) agrees. I won't, by the way. So if anyone asks me, my children come up, can I have the money now? There ain't any. Okay? (laughs) It's like this father agrees to it. So he sacrifices himself and his living his own life for this son who blows it on wild living. Blows it. Partying, drinking, drugs, girls, just waste all this money, right? And then when he's in the pit of despair, when, he, when all of his friends take off because he has no money anymore, because they were just blowing and spending his money, everyone abandons him. He's literally sleeping in pig junk, and he remembers his father. And he goes, maybe, maybe I should go back to him. And maybe he'll treat me like his servants, right? 
And in, in, in what we read um, in this passage here is we see this son take a step towards his father. The, and whenever we're dealing with sadness, whenever we're dealing with life and the difficulties and the challenges that this world wants to throw at us, I think one of the best things that you and I can do is take a step towards your father. I don't know what it is about the church in Canada. And it's not just here. I've been ministering now for a while. And I've visited other churches and I've talked to other leaders and I talked to pastors and I talked to, you know. And and there's something about our Western Canadian faith that when life gets hard or busy, we walk away from faith. When people start having kids, young families, oh, I'm busy, I've got these rugrats and there's snot everywhere and there's dirty diapers and I just don't have time for faith. I just don't have time for church. Or I'm busy at work and my boss is just piling all this stuff on so I don't have time for this stuff. When life is the hardest, there's something in this cultural system that wants to drive you away from your father. (laughs) Fight that. (laughs) Fight it. Tooth and nail. I remember years ago when my kids were little, and this is when I was working in the computer industry, and and I was one of those annoying new Christians. I I was. I I, I was bold, and I hung up posters of Jesus in my cubicle. I I was that guy. I would literally take my briefcase and have my Bible out, and I would crumple up paper so that you could see the word Holy Bible kind of sticking out of my briefcase. I was. I was that guy. I was annoying. I was an annoying Christian. I realized that, and I've repented of that. But on a Sunday morning, Samantha's in a car seat, Cameron's gone, I don't even know where he was, and I'm trying to get my family into my car to go to church. And I had a pager, I had a Blackberry pager back then, rocking the Blackberry pager, okay? And I get this call from the office, the system is down, we need to to come in. And I said, I'll be there at one o'clock. I said, no, 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 you don't seem to understand And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't seem to understand. I was bold. And actually, I didn't even really like the job, so I was kind of hoping I'd get fired anyways. (laughs) Get a nice package. (laughs) And uh, you need to fight for every step that you take towards the Father in this culture that we live in today. Like, look at, this is kind of, you know, the words in in the, the prodigal son story from Luke 15, verse 20. I love it when this guy is in this pit, he's sleeping with pigs. And I love these words. It says, he got up. He got up. Whatever is making you sad, depressed, worried, fearful, all these emotions, get up. And take a step towards your father. See, as we take those little steps, and some days they're hard steps, but then we get a taste of more joy. The sadness gets dealt with a little bit more. So we need to take steps towards our father. Second thing that we can see from this prodigal son story to help us move from sadness to joy is the life of the second son. So you've got this first son, wastes all of the father's money, and then comes back to the father. 
And then we see this other son who never left, who worked hard. He obeyed all the rules, kept all the traditions. He worked and he worked and he would do every single thing his father told him to do. And yet his heart was so far from the heart of his father. Because he would look at hurting people, his own brother, with judgment and condemnation. And it's like, why would you ever love someone like that? And the father's heart breaks for that son. And I kind of wonder, the text doesn't say there, but I wonder if the heart of the father breaks more for the second son than the first. Because the first son came back. The second son, in the hardness of his heart, stays exactly where he is. And the heart of his father says, my son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this this brother of yours who was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And now he has found he is found <laughs> see sometimes again we we set up these rules and these regulations and you have to obey and you better do this and you better not do that i'm not always saying those are bad things but if those things start to take us away from the heart of god they ain't working <laughs> they're not Working. If we are driving our children away from God because of our rules and our regulations, reevaluate your rules. You have to. You have to because what breaks Jesus' heart the most? It's when people are far from him. And yet... Religious tradition, if we're not careful, can focus on the rules that actually drive people away from Jesus. Right? And so what we have to do is kind of, as we're taking those steps closer to our Father and our sadness, is to actually enjoy the relationship with our Father. And I'm going to admit, that's not always easy. Because how do you enjoy a relationship with your Heavenly Father? Because... You can't go play catch with them. You'll be out in the front yard. Hey, father, let's play catch. And I throw a ball. And it just kind of sits there. (laughs) Like I can enjoy a relationship with my wife. I can enjoy a relationship with my kids. I can enjoy my relationship with you because we're together. (laughs) Right? But we forget these words of the father here in this parable where he says, I'm always with you. (laughs) You are always with me. And everything I have is already yours. (laughs) We need that constant reminder to enjoy that relationship. That's why when I say things like, oh, you should read your Bible more, you should pray more, you should have quiet time more. The last thing I'm trying to do is create some religious structure to make you obey. We're trying to create an environment where you can meet with your father and that you can enjoy him. Enjoy the blessings that he's given you. I remember I was talking about this years ago with a good friend of mine who has a lot of money, 
Like I've got a friend of mine who's got a lot of money and, uh, and he has a lot of toys because he has a lot of money. And I went out for lunch with him one day and, and I was like, Hey dude, how are you doing? And the guy was like suffering from a massive burnout. He was suffering from a bleeding ulcer. I'm like, dude, like what's the matter? He goes, I spend every waking moment dealing with everything around me breaking down. He had broken pipes in his house. He had a leaky hot tub. The lining in his pool cracked. His uh, really, really expensive car was in the shop. It was going to be in the shop for about four weeks to get get a part from Germany. All of these things. And it was eating him up inside. And I'm like, dude, you don't even enjoy the blessings of your father. God has blessed you with a family. Enjoy them. (laughs) God has blessed you with friends. Enjoy them. God has blessed you with a church. Enjoy them. (laughs) These are all gifts of God. And we can foster our relationship with God the Father (laughs) through our relationship with one another. (laughs) But it takes time and it takes effort to strengthen those relationships. (laughs) See, because... Again, what is making Jesus cry? (laughs) Weeping, ugly, crying. It's people far from God. (laughs) And so maybe you're dealing with stuff in life that is making you sad. (laughs) And you don't know how to get out of it. (laughs) My encouragement to you today would be take a step closer to the Father. Enjoy the relationship with the Father. And how could you do that? Be involved at whatever capacity you can to draw people to the Father. In your sadness, in your busyness, don't step away from the mission of Jesus. Jesus came, I came to seek and save the lost. I came to give life and life to the full. That Jesus came to set the captives free. That Jesus didn't come to deal with the religious righteous people. He came for the sick. He came to bring sight to the blind. He came to make the lame walk. He came to heal lepers. He came to love widows and care for orphans. Take a step into the mission of Jesus. I guarantee whatever you're dealing with that is bringing you down and making you sad, five minutes a day, focus on the mission of Jesus in some kind of capacity. And you will experience his joy. Why would he deny you the joy for you serving in his mission? It's what he says, but we'll do. If you put first my kingdom, my goals for your life, my objectives, my plans, then everything else that you are worried about and struggling with and sad about will be taken care of. You don't need to quit your job and become a missionary. You don't need to quit your job and become a pastor. This isn't a a, a sermon to recruit elders, (laughs) okay? This isn't a guilt trip. This is, we need to move from people who are sad with with a little bit of joy to men, women, boys, and girls whose lives are completely filled with joy, (laughs) who have occasional sadness. (laughs) And that will come as Jesus models for us (laughs) when we welcome people (laughs) into the kingdom of God. When we are part of that work of seeing lost sons and daughters found. Because Jesus hurts 
when someone is far from him. And maybe you're here today or you're watching us online and you would actually say you're far from him. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. And you can do that real easy right where you are just by praying, Father, forgive me a sinner. Come into my life. Make me new. If you pray that way today, here in the room, tell me after the service, I'd love to rejoice with you. If you pray that way at church online, a little pop-up shows up. Click that. I would love to send some resources to you no matter where you are in the world so you can work on your relationship with Jesus. And others of you, you might be feeling far from the Father because if you were honest, you've become a little lukewarm in your faith. That other things are just more important. I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm sad. I'm depressed. I just can't even focus. For you today, take a step towards your father. Take a step. I promise you, you will experience more of his joy. Find a way to enjoy that relationship with him. Look, just take inventory. Take 10 minutes today and write out a list of all the way God has blessed you. And enjoy some of those things today. God's blessed you with a big giant TV and a lazy boy. Enjoy it guilt-free today. That's what I'm doing later. You know, I'm going to enjoy it in Jesus' name. Enjoy something that your father has given you. Engage in the mission that God has for the world. And then maybe what you need to do is you need to bring someone else with you. Maybe you're here today going, I've got no sadness. Everything is awesome. Then bring someone along. Bring someone along. Be a little bit more bold in your faith. Be that annoying Christian that actually invites people to church. It's easy to invite people to church now. They don't even need to show up. They watch it online. Give them a website. Share it on Facebook. Share a link. Quote an image. Put a verse up. Things like that. Just welcome people into a relationship with the Father. And we will experience together more of God's joy. Because we focused on the things that bring the heart of Jesus joy of the lost being found. Let's pray together. Lord God, I praise you that you are a God who understands our feelings. I praise you, God, that you hurt just like we hurt. And you have wrestled with the things just like you and I, just like we wrestle with them. And so, Father, today, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus, the living God who died for our sins, that you would help each and every one of us, no matter where we are today, to take a step closer to our Heavenly Father. Whether that's just maybe praying a couple of minutes more a day, maybe that's just regularly reading a verse a day, Maybe it's joining a life group in the fall. Maybe it's finding a ministry to serve in. Whatever that is for each of us, God, help us to take a step closer to you. And God, help us to do that out of the love of that relationship that we have with you. Not out of guilt or religious tradition or out of obligation or because Pastor Kevin said so, I need to. But because I just want to meet with my father. And I just want to enjoy you. And Father, take our hearts of sadness and turn it into great joy. God, let it never be true of your church 
that we're the third nation in the world. We're the church. We're the Christians in the world that are the saddest and the most depressed. God, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would turn that around. And that we as Canadian Christians, we here in the city of Ottawa, we as Christians all over the world would be known for our joy. As we watch you gathering us to you and gathering people around us to you. And so, Father God, I pray that you would continue to speak to each and every one of us through the power of your Holy Spirit as we worship. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.